Hey, welcome to our God and Money series. My name is Josh, one of the pastors at Branch Life, and this series is designed to answer the question, how do you get really, really rich? Of course, true riches do not come from the amount of money in our bank account, but it comes from God, and God tells us a lot about how to handle money in a way that's super freeing. This series will be an encouragement to you, so we hope you'll stick around through it and check out the other episodes. Before you log off, make sure to fill out your connection card. Let us know that you've been a part of this series in some way, and you can do that anytime at branchlife.church. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the series. We're in week three of our God and Money series, and we're getting to the nitty-gritty part of the series where we're actually starting to talk about details. We've built a foundation over the last two weeks. If you hadn't had a chance to join us, jump to our YouTube channel or the website and you can see the foundation that we talked about in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here's the big idea of the God and Money series. God, uh, money doesn't make you rich, God does. And there's so many layers to that truth, and we believe that this is what the Bible teaches. So today, we're jumping into God's plan for money today. So, so what do I do? What do I do with all these foundational principles? How do I manage my money correctly? What does God want me to do today with the money I have. So we're jumping into that thought. And, and the best way that I could kind of represent that to you in our mind is just picture this picture. Uh, God, money doesn't make you rich. God does. So we believe that everything that you have comes from God. So what if God decided to give you a cheesecake? Full Mother's Day deliciousness, right? Now, a lot of us are going to act and react in different ways to this proposal. So uh, some of us, we're going to see the cheesecake and go, look at the cake that God gave me. I am now going to take my cake and I am going to spend it. Everybody, cake on me tonight. We're spreading this bad boy out. I can't believe the lusciousness of this cake. And I'm going to, the, and you are going to take this cake and you're going to eat it. You're going to use it. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. It's going to be fantastic. And you're going to look up at God and go, this was an amazing, amazing cake. I'm so thankful that you gave me this amazing cake for me. In money terms, you're a spender. When, when you get a, a supply of money, you get so excited, and it's not a good thing or a bad thing. This is just what some of us are. You get so excited about the opportunity to then use it. I'm going to now take this, and I'm going to spend it, and, and dinner's on me tonight, and let's see how much uh, more of a car I can get. Let's see what, uh, what kind of shopping spree I can go on. And then as fast as it came in, it went back out, and it just got spent. The other hand, some of you will receive a cake from God, and you will look at it, and you will have a much different philosophy. You'll say, wow, look at the cake that God just gave me. I'm going to take this cake, and I'm going to divide it up responsibly. Half of this cake, I'm going to save for later. Half of this cake, I'm going to put aside for my church. Half of this cake, I'm going to use for some of the, not half, half, and half, so the, the certain percentage I'm going to use for my, and you've got the formula all figured out, and you divide it, and you get out your pencil and your paper, and you make sure that everything is accounted for, and then it is put into its proper spots. Financially, you're called a, anybody know? Saver. You're a saver. Now, here's what happens 
to the spender. The spender gets very excited about the cake, and they're like, this is an amazing cake, and gave it out to its friends and used the family and had an extra cake night, you know, just had a great time. And all of a sudden, they get a knock at the door, and, and they open the door, and it's the tax man. And the tax man says, listen, sir, uh, you need to give us a large percentage of that cake. And the spender goes, what? It is my cake. I was given this cake. I am supposed to use this cake, and I don't, how dare you? I don't, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to put it off. I'm not going to enjoy this for one hot second. And you go to get the cake that you owe to the tax man, and it's gone. Well, then you go to church the next Sunday, and the pastor comes out, and the pastor says, it's really important that you give to God, and, and if you don't give to God, you're robbing from God. And you go, what? You want some of my cake, too? I, I would love to. And then the pastor comes up, and he tells a story about this family that's in need, and the church is coming together to help them out. And you're like, oh, I would love to help out that family. And you go to get your cake, and it's gone. And then you see other cake on TV, and it's amazing. And you wish you had some of your cake left, but your cake's gone. But you want some of that other cake on TV, and you go, you know what? I'm going to borrow to get more cake. And so you borrow, you make a promise. When I get more cake from God, I'm going to give you some if you just give me that cake now. You start making wheels and deals, and you start owing money, and you start owing cake to people. You see how spenders can get in trouble real quick. Now, a saver, on the other hand, has the same problem, you know, has the same cake, same amount as the spender, and God gave it to them. They're thankful for it, too, and they've divided it up, and the knock comes on the door, and the tax collector comes in, and then all of a sudden, the, the tax man goes, you owe me a certain amount of, of money, and guess what the saver does? I knew you were going to ask for that. So I have set aside this portion for you, Mr. Taxman, and I hand it to you, and Godspeed, sir, and I've done my due diligence as a patriot to my society. And then you go to church the next day, and you, you, the pastor's there, and he says, hey, you need to give to God. If you don't give to God, you rob from him, and I have already designated a percentage. It has automatically happened on my online web payments, and it has been... Uh, uh, serendipitously removed from my cake and put into your church accounts and therefore I have already graciously given to the Lord and there's a family in need I thought you might say that so I put on the side a little bit of extra money for emergency giving it's in the blue category in my wallet and I pull that out and I give that to that family in need and you have gone on and none of this surprises you but where is the fun in that? right? Like, now, could you do more extra? No, no, got to stick with the, got to stick with the, the paper notes. Now, which is better? Is it better to be a spender? Or is it better to be a saver? Is it better to have money and collateral to, uh, to borrow more on to get the bigger mortgage? Or is it, is it better to have little and not even try to get stuff you can't afford. Is it better to be a spender or a saver? Now, in your marriage, you probably have one or the other, or both. So if I was going to ask you, husbands and wives, who the other one, is your spouse a spender or is your spouse a saver? You probably know the answer, right? You know, you know, if you get frustrated with the other person because they bought another 
four-wheeler, and they didn't ask me about it, and why do we need another four-wheeler, right? They got another video game subscription. They went out on the town again. They needed a third dress for the month of May that they're buying, and it's got a different set of colored flowers on it. Or you know if you can't get them to buy anything, anything ever. I mean, let's have a little fun sometime in our lives. And have you heard the word spontaneous? <laughs> Did you know that God's plan for money, there, in God's plan for money today, there's a third option. There's a third option. God actually, when he gives us a cake, doesn't say to us, you need to be a spender or a saver. He gives you a third option and a third category about how you can best use the wealth that he gives you. And here's the assumption that a lot of us in America have. We, astri- we strive to be savers. And it's easy to think that the pinnacle of financial maturity is to be an expert saver. That's not necessarily God's plan for your money. Nor is it to be a spender and to be irresponsible with all the money that comes out that God gives you at any time. But God does give you money for a purpose. Yes, saving and yes, spending are going to be a part of that purpose. We've been looking at our financial categories, and you probably fall into one of these five financial stages that we looked at at week one. You're either struggling uh, or you're surviving. You're just barely getting by paycheck by paycheck. Or you're stable. You're good for now, but you're one emergency away from falling off the financial Uh, wheels falling off the financial wagon, you might be secure, you might have some savings, you might be paying down on your mortgage, you might be ahead of the game and got your kids saving for college, or you're in surplus where you have all that you need and more. And we are asking ourselves, how do I advance up these stairs? How do I change my station and whatever station I'm in, how am I responsible with the money that God gave me? And so this morning we're asking, are you a spender, are you a saver, or are you the other? So Which one do you think God wants you to be? Do you think he wants you to be a spender or a saver or another? The answer is God wants you to be a server. God wants you to be a server when it comes to your money. And here's here's the third option. And here's what happens when God gives a server a cake. The server first and primarily doesn't look about how to divide it up properly. The server doesn't first look about how much they can spend with it. The server gets the cake from God and God goes, God, this is your cake. How can I use it for you? Show me, lead me, guide me. The server takes then the entire cake and hands it back to God. Now, what does it look like to be a spender or a server or a saver? If you're a spender, you give out of duty. If, uh, what do you mean I have to give to God? If you're a spender, you spend freely. It's just something that happens naturally. If you're a spender, you love new toys. I like new shiny things. Me and my Amazon app are great friends. If you are a spender, you, you want more experiences. If you're a saver, you give formulaically. I give out of a formula. If you're a saver, you love full piggy banks. If you're a saver, you spend reluctantly. If you are a saver, you want compound interest. Listen, I fall into the saver category. My favorite word on this entire slide is compound interest. <laughs> like I could talk about that 
all day long. Like, that is amazing. It's really what I want in my life. I'm really trying to go for it. So nerd out and figure out what compound interest is, and you'll have a great couple of minutes. Now, if you're a server, when you give, it's just joyful. If you're a server, you love helping people. It's kind of why you have pie. If you're a server, you spend purposefully. And if you're a server, you want to give radically. Now, here's the passage that that this day's talk is founded on. Psalm 24.1. Write this one down and revisit it later. Psalm 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. When we realize the principle that everything on this planet and everyone on this planet already belongs to God, it drastically changes the way we deal with the wealth that he gives us. And if we believe that everything is God's, even the cake that he serves us, even the cake that he gives us, even the blessing that he pours down on us, if we think that that is God's, that is going to drastically change the way that we handle money. In this moment, then, every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Every single one. Whether you're on Amazon and you're putting it on your wish list, or you're hitting the buy now button, Whether or not you're out walking uh, and you see a homeless person that's asking for money or you're sitting in your church on a Sunday morning. Whether or not you're paying taxes to the government. Whether or not you're uh, buying a new car or, or signing on the dotted line for a new mortgage or going out to get a loan. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. How many of us pray over our spending decisions, even the automatic ones? How many of us see in our lives that when I spend money, I have consulted the owner of that money first? Because every spending decision is a spiritual decision. God's plan for you today is to spiritually spend what he's given you in the the most responsible way you can. So here's some principles to live by. We all make common money mistakes. Here are some principles that combat those mistakes. When it comes to God and money, keys to biblical management include this. Number one, spend less than you earn. One of the common money mistakes that we make in our American culture today is most of us, many of us, often can fall into the trap of spending more than we earn. When you spend more than you earn, you are borrowing to get. You're you're somehow making promises or IOUs so that you can have something that's not that you don't have enough money for. Whether you're making car payments or you're leasing a car, we do mortgages on houses, we we, uh, use our credit card and our plastic at a ridiculous amount of weight, we get loans for education, right? And we start spending more than we have. We have to be very, very careful, and God's God's principle that he gives us in Scripture is that we spend more than we, we don't spend more than we earn. Now, So many people look at this equation and they look at their financial situation and they see themselves wanting to raise up the levels. They want to go from struggling to secure, from secure to surplus, right? And they say, you know, the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to change my equation and I'm going to earn more than I spend. And they're going to put the emphasis on earning. And they're going to say, if only I earned more money, 
then I would be wealthier. If only I, God gave me more money, then I would be happier. I'd be able to be more responsible. I wouldn't be as stressed. We wouldn't fight so much as a couple. And if we just earn more money, that would solve all of our problems. A better equation is to say to yourself, no, 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 it's about spending less, not earning more. We cannot control what we earn. We can control what we spend. And so when we think in this term, spend less is greater than earn more, Here's, here's four, three biblical steps that are going to get us there. Number one, step one, is contentment. We're going to talk about that. We need to be content in order to spend less. Number two, we need to have a plan. And number three, we need to be consistent. So let's tackle these one at a time. Contentment. If you have your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. One of the most powerful principles in Scripture is the Scripture of contentment, and one of the most, uh, most direct passages on contentment is found in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 is a fantastic chapter. Philippians, the entire book, is a fantastic book. We will go through it one day as a church from start to finish. But as we look at it now, go to Philippians chapter 4, jump down to verse 10. In my Bible, it's titled God's Provision, and it's uh, page 982 in the Pew Bibles that you have down in the racks below you. Verse 10, it says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revealed your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, not that I am speaking out of being in need. For I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in every circumstance. And I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. How many times have you heard that verse quoted, right? We'd be at a basketball practice and our coach would be telling us about the importance of this game. And I remember, I remember in one tournament we were in, we were down one end of the court, we were getting ready to face this other team we had never met. And we were in West Virginia. I don't know if that had anything to do with anything. And we were standing there and, and listen, I'm, I'm pushing 5'8 on a good day, right? Like, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about 5'9. Like that to me is like ginormous status. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm representing our basketball team and I've got my, my uniform on and here comes the other team, right? And they come in the other side, and I swear, all of them benched 400 pounds. They were seven feet tall. They had mustaches and beards. I hadn't started shaving yet. You're like, you're like, what's happening? Those people can't be in high school, and now we've got to pray for them. And the coach huddles us up, right? And he's, he get, puts his arm around little five seven me, right? He's like, listen, listen, listen. All right, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right, go get him. And that's how we treat that verse. We quote it like it's an a, a anti-kryptonite tic-tac. And all of a sudden, now I can take the verse that God says I can do all things, and I can say all things, well now I can walk on water, I can fly in the sky, I can eat food and not have calories in it. Like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he's not, he's not talking about supernatural abilities of all of a sudden a 5'8 person beating a 7'5 giant in basketball. I'm going to lose that game every day. He's talking about being able to be content with what you have in life. The superpower of being able to do whatever it is God wants you to do is contentment. That's what this verse is about. 
And Paul is saying that he has learned to be content in whatever circumstance he finds himself in. He faces, in other, in other words, the challenge of being rich and the challenge of being poor. The challenge of being healthy and the challenge of being sick. I can do all things through God who gives me strength. I stand here on, on Mother's Day for you and Father's Day for Jenny and I was a very hard holiday for many years. We couldn't have kids, and we didn't know if we would ever be able to have kids. We struggled with undiagnosed infertility for over seven years. That was tough. I'll tell you where we turned the corner on, on those holidays, and we turned the corner on those moments, is when we realized that, that we could be content if we could never have kids. That, that's what God brought us to in those moments. You can be content with kids or without, married or single, you can be content in whatever situation God has for you, and that brings life. Benjamin Franklin says it this way, contentment makes poor men rich, and discontentment makes rich men poor. Look at the house you have. With contentment, it's the best house ever. With contentment, it's got a roof and a bed and a refrigerator that works sometimes. It's the place where your memories are built and your car gets parked. You have a car! Wow! This stupid house doesn't have enough closet space. This dumb house needs a new floor. Let's just buy a new one. Contentment. I can do all things through Christ. Now, why is contentment so hard? Why does God have to give us a command? Don't covet. Well, here's why contentment's hard. Luke 12 talks about building bigger barns. We talked about that last week. The world is designed to make us discontent. Turn on the TV. Open an app. Go to YouTube. Advertisers galore. And they all want you to give them money. And they're all telling you what you have is not good enough. Get their thing. You thought you had everything you need until you opened the Amazon app. Now you think Wayfair has just what you need. It's also hard because contentment is something we learn. It's not natural. Paul says that I have learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. And learning is work. Learning is intentional. Learning, you have to discipline yourself into contentment. You have to say, I've got to learn this skill of contentment. I've got to practice it. I've got to repractice it. I've got to do it, and I've got to do it again. Listen, I'm really struggling up here today, and I'm gonna, this is just me being super open. On Friday, I did a leg workout that I haven't ever done before, and it included lunges that I have never done in my life. I am looking at that step, and it terrifies me. My legs are so sore, and this is two-day. I'm feeling my age. I have not worked those muscles ever. And they're yelling at me. How do I solve that problem? I've got to continue working those muscles so they don't get atrophied. That's contentment. You've got to continue working at it so it doesn't break down, so you don't find yourself being drunk. The whole world is designed to make you discontent. You've got to intentionally, you know what fights contentment? You know what muscle you have to work and exercise? Gratitude. It's real hard to say thank you for something and be discontent with it. To say to God, God, you've given me this pie. Thank you. I don't deserve one moment of it. I'm just going to give it back to you. Thank you, God. Thank you. 
Exercise that muscle. Learn to be content. And, and gratitude, contentment is hard because spending is way cooler than saving. They had a big problem in the Tower of Babel because they wanted to build something that would make a name for themselves. And how do you make a name for yourselves? You spend lots of money. Like you show people, like you try to keep up with the Joneses. It's hard to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses got new cars. The Joneses got kids that have nice clothes. The Joneses have the, the Labradoodle. I just got a mutt. How, do, how am I supposed to keep up with the Joneses? Like they're awesome. I want to keep up with them. I got to make, spending is way cooler. Look at that. And we say congratulations to people when they go into debt and buy stuff. Wow. You just bought like an $80,000 car. You didn't have the money for it. That's awesome. I wish I could do that. And it's red. You're going to be in debt for years. That's, you know that's depreciated by like 25% the moment you drove off the lot. Good job, man. I want to be like you. And if for whatever reason, it's cooler. It's cooler to spend than it is to save. And we say to ourselves, hey, I, I just, it's hard to be now. Now, Paul knew this, and so Paul was mentoring up a young man. And Paul says to Timothy in this verse, and, and, and this is fantastic. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. I want to tell you, I could give you a lot of tricks to contentment. One of them I could say is travel to a third world country. Go to Jamaica. Go to the Bahamas. Go to Congo. Go to Taiwan. Go to the Philippines. Go to most countries in the world other than ours and watch what they live. You're going to come back and you're going to go into Walmart and you're going to be like, this is embarrassing because it is. I've been in villages and, and surrounded by Christian believers who were wondering where they were going to get bread the next day and I flew back home and I walked into Walmart and I cried because there was an aisle dedicated to bread. And I could just walk up and throw it in my cart and pay for it and never even think about it again. We are embarrassed by the amount of riches that we have. And when you compare yourself to someone else who doesn't have even the thought of what we have access to, how dare you be ungrateful? No wonder we have a weight problem in America. We got cake coming out our ears. All of these were given to me by Costco on Saturday. Because nobody bought them. And they didn't know what to do with them. So they give them away to us so we can give them to people. This was three out of nine cakes, and that was just one day. We got excess. We got surplus. Be content. But it's only going to work for a little while. I don't cry every time I go into Walmart. I still go look for my 647 bread, right? Because I can have that. <laughs> What's the secret to contentment? It's the equation of godliness with contentment. You see, you can't truly be content without knowing God. You can't truly be content without knowing that you are a broken sinner deserving nothing and that you've been saved by grace and every breath is the grace of God. Every day is the grace of God. Every dollar is the grace of God. And you have been redeemed through the grace of God. And when I cherish the gospel and the gospel becomes central to who I am and I want to follow after the things of God, contentment is a fruit of the spirit that follows. 
You must have a relationship with God to be truly content. You want to master your money, get to know God better. And maybe you're here today and you've never thought about it in those terms. Maybe you've always thought that you needed to have faith in, in, in that it was some kind of spiritually giant thing or that it was something that you would do on Sundays, that it had nothing to do with your everyday life. Listen, faith in God changes everything. And maybe today God is calling you to have faith in him. Maybe you've heard it for the hundredth time. You have to know you're a sinner. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and you've got to accept the free gift of salvation. But maybe today you know that it matters. And today's the day that you decide to put your faith and trust in Jesus. We want to invite all of you, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, to, to examine your heart and say, am I pursuing godliness? Am I pursuing God? Is God in my life? Because the gospel transforms the way we manage our money. And so if you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, we want to invite you to this resource, our gospel tab, you can watch a video, you can see more explanation about what it means to be saved, but everyone must be born again. And maybe today is the day of your salvation. At the end of our time together, Chris is going to lead you guys in a prayer, and he's going to talk about this. If this is what you need, forget everything else about money, and just run to God today. And remember this, godliness with contentment is great gain. That's our equation, Christians. Let's follow after God. That's why I can serve him with 100% of what he gives me. Now, Real quickly, I'm going to mention this and we'll be done. The second step is have a plan. Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 25. I'm sorry, don't worry about that. That's the leftover from last time. Matthew chapter 25 talks about this, this idea of having a plan and, and counting the cost and understanding what Jesus says. And here's, here's a couple of things about your plan. The best plan is a budget. The best plan is a budget. Luke chapter 14, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, you won't first sit down and estimate the cost and see if there's enough money to complete it. You, we have to have a plan, and the way we have a plan is a budget. Pastor Josh, that sounds a lot about saving. Yes, you can budget with a service of money. I do believe in budgets. I do believe in having a plan. We've got to do it. We write it in pencil. We have flexibility with it, but as we steward God's money, he teaches us count the cost. We've got to count the cost. We've got to understand what we are getting ourselves into. So what are God's guidelines for a plan? I'm just going to mention these. You've got to write fast because time is away from us this morning. First, we have to be generous givers. That's what we talked about the last two weeks. That's what the Old and New Testament talks about. So the things we do first with our plan, with our budget, is we plan to give. Have you ever seen somebody take a whole bunch of rocks, and they have little rocks and small rocks, and they take all the little rocks, and they dump them in, and then they have these small rocks, and they try to put them in there, but they don't fit? You're like, they're never going to fit. Wait, dump it all back out again. Put the big rocks in first, and then the small rocks, and it's amazing. They all fit. You ever see that? It's all over the place. What's the biggest rock we got to put deal with first? What does God want me to give? i got to be generous first. One common money mistake we make is we cut generosity first. When we get in trouble, we stop giving. Don't. Give first. Take care of the rest with the leftovers. That's what, how God asks us to live. Each one of us must give as we've decided in our heart. Number two, prioritize your emergency fund. You gotta prioritize your emergency fund. That's gotta be the first thing you build after you care about giving. So the second big rock is 
we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so I need to have an emergency fund ready and available. I cannot tell you the blessing that an emergency fund is. When you have that car accident, you have those co-payments, you have that health crisis, you have that thing that happens to your friend or your family, but you have an emergency fund, and so you're not stressing about where the money's going to come from. That's what the fund is for. You have a pandemic, you lose your job, how are you going to pay your bills? Emergency fund. So we say six months of, of life expe of, of expenses need to be saved. That's the first goal that you want to get to. Some people now, because of the pandemic, are saving more than that. Number three, you want to save to create margin. Again, nerd me, I love the word margin. You want to save to create margin. Listen to this. Collect all the food in Genesis chapter 4 of the good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of the Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve. For the country to be used during the seven years of famine. In the good years, save to create margin for the bad years. It's pretty amazing. That principle alone. Now, know your numbers. I guarantee most, because well, I've dealt with it, whenever I do financial counseling, one of the greatest first hurdles that we have is people, most people don't know their numbers. It's the most basic principle of kind of figuring out budgeting guidelines. How much are you making? That's how much you can spend. What are you saving? What's in your accounts? What does it cost to have that much interest for that long? How long do you have to make the minimum payments to get? Know your numbers. Man, it's super important. So you're sitting there going, Josh, I don't know my numbers. I don't know this thing called margin or compound interest. Help me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to download the Every Dollar Budgeting app. It's a super practical resource that you can start using today to learn your numbers. Work with your spouse, go after it, figure it out. There's resources here to help you build a budget, to give you forms that you can fill out, and you can start recording and understanding where your dollars are going. Manage your money, don't let your money manage you. And you can then have a successful plan. It's super simple, more simple than ever, to keep track of your numbers, to have access to your numbers, and to build a plan that can be pleasing and honoring for your God, for God, for your family, and for your generosity. So that's a resource that we want to make available to you guys. It's free online. Also, you met Drew earlier today. Drew is going to be offering a money management equip class or workshop. It's going to be happening on May, Saturday morning from 8 to, 8 to 10 a.m. on May 21st. You can go online to our events page. You can sign up for that now, and he's going to walk you through practical steps about how to make a plan. I highly recommend it for any one of you, and I would encourage you guys to do this. If we have people that, that um, can't do it on Saturday, we have an overflow option. Uh, I think two Tuesdays later, just let us know on your connection card if you're interested, if you can't sign up for this. Finally, the, besides having a plan, here's another big thing that you need to do in order to uh, as a part of your plan, avoid the use of debt. Avoid the use of debt. When you're making a plan, do everything you can to avoid the use of debt. Now, there's different kinds of debt. There's, there's mortgages that fall in a different category, but the, the worst debt, the debt you've got to be super careful of, is consumer debt. And we need to avoid the use of debt. It just means you're spending more than you're earning. The rich rule over the poor, and the, and the borrower is the slave to a lender. Debt destroys generosity. Debt destroys generosity. And so we need to do everything in our power to destroy debt. I guarantee there's many people listening in this room online who have debt as a regular part of their lives. It's normal in our culture. 
Dave Ramsey says it this way, debt is so ingrained in our culture that most Americans can't envision a car without a payment, a house without a mortgage, a student without a loan, and a credit without a card. We've been sold on debt with such, rep, uh, with such reputation, with such fervor, that most folks can't conceive of what it would be like to have no payments. Let's dream a dream together. What if we didn't have any payments? What if I didn't have a car payment? What if I didn't have a mortgage payment? What if I didn't have a student loan payment? What if I didn't have a credit card payment? Oh my word, that would be amazing. And most of us can't even get there. We can't even comprehend it because we've just set our lives up on payments. How in the world can I deal with this debt? How do I avoid it? How do I turn this back around? Well, I'm going to just point you right back to Dave Ramsey. I'm going to say this is the get out of debt king. He's got the debt snowball, the emergency fund, the pay your, pay your right debts off at the right time. Just bury yourself into his information, and he can give you a plan to get yourself out of debt. He's all over YouTube. He's all over the radio. I want you guys to find him. Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover should be the book that you read if debt is an issue for you. And it should be the path that you use. I require every premarital counseling uh, couple that I deal with to read this book. It just is a great way to figure out, hey, here's the principles, here's how I put it into life, and here's how I practically stay out of the hole, and how, how do I get out of the hole? And this can be life-giving if you live like nobody else so you can give like nobody else. Now, obviously, the last part of this is be consistent. If you think you're going to lose weight by dieting for a day, it ain't going to work. You want to manage your money, you want to go in for the long haul. Galatians 6, 9. And let's not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. You can get to the dream of no payments. You can get to the dream of being able to give more. You can get to the dream of supplying and saving for your family. You can get to the dream of even being blessed and blessing others with your wealth. It is possible if you are simply consistent with the plan that you work out between you and God and in your family. We'd love to help you do that. If you have questions, if you need any financial counseling, we can always go further. You can take that workshop. If you've ever been a part of a Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University or you've taught one, we want to launch one of those this, this fall. We'd love to have some of the teachers who have done that before be a part of that. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please put that on your connection card and let us know how we can pray for you. Hopefully this has been an encouragement to you. God has a plan today for your money, and God is the one who gives us wealth. How are you going to best use it for his glory and for his honor? We want to ask you to come back next week. We're going to talk this very important topic about God's plan for money tomorrow. How can we be in it for the long haul? What will make a difference in the days to come? We know that money can be a big stressor, but it doesn't have to be when you handle it God's way. Hey, thanks for joining us, and we hope that you'll continue to connect with us virtually or in person. And check out the rest of the series at our YouTube channel or at our website at branchlife.church. While you're there, don't forget to fill out your connection card. And if this has been an encouragement to you in any way, would you take a moment to like, share, or subscribe? It would be awesome if you would help us spread the word. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.